0: Okay, so was please don't tell me I was the only person as a kid to ever be afraid of the dark, right? I was afraid of the dark when I was little. Um, I used to be afraid of you know the things that were in the that were in the closet, right, or under the bed, and I used to you know I used to get up in the middle of the night. I was terrified, and I would come and I'd be, you know, I'd run through the house and I'd run into my mom's and dad's bedroom, and they were always so happy to see me, right, <laughs> right. And I, but like I, I would come in and I was like, you know, oh, there's like something scary in there, you know. But the thing is, is that my dad, my dad had a secret weapon. He had monster repellent. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a special bottle kept under the sink. Like a plain squirt bottle. uh, And he would bring it in and he could spray it anywhere, spray it in the closet, spray it under the bed, you know, and that would drive away the monsters and it would keep them from coming back. And it just happened to smell like a cleaning, uh, lemony cleaning detergent like thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right? But that was like, that was the thing, you know. So uh, there's a uh, pro parenting tip from the Miller household. Um, Right? But like fear. Right? We all know what fear is like. We've all experienced it at some level, whether that's as a child at an early age being afraid of what's in the closet, or whether that's um, today or tomorrow and what that will bring. Right, And fear, fear has this way of trapping us into broken reactions or inaction. Fear has a way of exerting a grip of control and power over how we live our lives. It, it has a way of getting in there and saying, like, okay, well, I, I can't do that thing. Because if I do that thing, like, that's scary. Right? Or maybe I'm scared, and so that's going to motivate me to, to you know, I'm going to react the, 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 most, the easiest, most natural thing. Right? I'm, I'm frightened and I'm uncertain, and so I'm going to lean on this crutch. I'm gonna react in an angry way, I'm gonna try and control things, I'm gonna react in a way that's not helpful. Right? Fear has a way of gripping onto us. Right? And there's plenty of reason to be afraid. Right? Like, like if you've opened your phone in the last several years, right? Like it's not like when, when the pandemic hit, we were like, oh, my gosh, 2020. I'm like, at this point, like, it's just been years now, right? Like, and before that, it was. Like, it just seems like when we turn on the news and we look at popular culture and the history that we're living inside of right now, it just seems like there's one more catastrophe thing to be afraid of, impending doom, or thing that will uh, wipe us all away, right? But even more than just the the big things, more than like the big scary things that end up making it onto the news or make it onto our social media feeds. There's a thousand little small specific things each of us have to be afraid of. Will this illness go away? Will I have enough money for this? Will there be enough money in the bank account come the end of the month? Is there, is? there? Is Are people going to leave me? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to... Uh, Is something terrible going to happen to me? Am I going to lose a loved one? There are a thousand specific fears that we face each and every single week, day, month, and year for which we can feel and experience this grip of fear onto us that makes us want to grip the steering wheel tight, white-knuckled, and just, just walk around wishing and wishing there was some way we could... Make it go away. Some way that we didn't have to feel stuck. And so fear has this grip on us. And we've been in this series, like Cameron was talking about, we're talking about how Jesus comes and brings about these divine interruption. The whole life of Jesus, from his birth to his death, was a giant divine interruption in the way that the world worked. He came and disrupted, interrupted the religious system the lives of all of those that he encountered, and he brought about something new and fresh. And so today we're going to look at how does Jesus interrupt the grip of fear on our lives? How does he take and remove that clench that feels like it's holding our chest in on itself, that's knotting our stomach up in knots? How does Christ come in and interrupt that? And give us a chance for something new, for a new experience, a new life. We're going to be today in Matthew chapter 14. And as we're in this passage today, I encourage you to be looking for where is the fear? Where is, um, where is what is going on? And then how does, so look, look for the fear. Where is the fear existing in the story? Where is the fear coming from? Who's experiencing the fear? And then be looking for how does Christ disrupt or interrupt that fear? How does Christ come in and do something? How does he break the grip of fear in this situation? This is a fairly um, maybe familiar passage. And so I think there's a danger for us to go, oh, yeah, 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 I know this story. Right? But it's, it's those stories that we feel like we know that we need to pay extra special attention to. Because we've begun to maybe perhaps take for granted what they're communicating. Perhaps we're not seeing them clearly anymore. Sometimes the more often we see something, the less clear it becomes to us because it's become familiar. So today I want us to take an intentional removal of those blinders to say, all right, let's look at this afresh. Let's see where do I fit into this story. Today, I'm going to share this story in a way that's different than I would normally preach a sermon. So I'm not going to, rather than like break this down like um, like a textbook and walk you through each verse, rather, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to share this story with you as if I was somebody who could share it to you from firsthand experience. I'm going to share this story to you as if I was somebody who had actually been there, who had witnessed the events that had happened on this night. So we'll be in chapter 14 of Matthew, and I encourage you to follow along. Hello there. Uh, my name, well, it's, honestly, you don't need to know my name. But what you do need to know is you need to know the name of the man who's standing over there. Amongst that crowd of men over there. That's, that's Jesus. Right? You've probably heard of him, right? The traveling rabbi, the teacher who's going around and doing all of those miracles. Let me tell you something. You've heard Whatever you've heard isn't half of it, right? See, I'm, I'm one of his disciples. I've been following him for some time now, and I'm telling you, anything that you've heard, any of the rumors that you've heard, they're true and they're more, right? But nothing, I got to tell you, nothing compares to the last 24 hours. I mean, man, you know, I mean, I've been following Jesus now for a while. Like he, 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 I, I, It's so exciting, I love being one of his disciples. It's like being at the center and having a front row seat to everything that's going on. Right? And 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 you know and he's been going around and he's been going from town to town and he's been giving these teachings and he's been performing miracles and the more time I'm with him the more and more I see these miraculous things that I just cannot comprehend and cannot understand. It's also Honest, a little little inside peek here. Like, I do not know what this guy is teaching half the time, right? He's always talking in these like little stories about like pennies and like, uh, and like sheep. Like, I don't get it. (laughs) Like, he talks about olive trees. Um, they're very weird, but like, they feel very deep. Um, and you know, and it's it's just been really exciting, you know, And, and but like. Us, us disciples, like we all know, like we've all been like talking more amongst ourselves. Like, where is this going? You know, like we we don't know what Jesus is trying to do. Why in the world is he is he doing this? What do these parables mean? What, what where is this all leading up to? See, things have kind of gotten a little, like, begun to shift a little bit recently. Like, more than more than once, right? More than once now. Uh, Jesus and us, we, we've, had to, we've had to leave town uh, rather abruptly because of plots against his life. There are people, as he is coming and disrupting the religious establishment, we're finding that, like, people don't like that. <laughs> they're persecuting him. They're, they're putting up plots and wanting to kill him, and so we have to leave town at first notice. A little bit scary. But, I mean, none of that compares to the news that we heard a couple days ago. Like. We found out that um, Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist, you know, have you guys not heard, oh, John the Baptist, the, he was the, the prophet right out in the wilderness baptizing people. He was, he was beheaded not too long ago. Yeah. gives us a little bit of pause because like if that's, the, if that's the end of, of that prophet, of Jesus' relative, right? like what what end is Jesus going toward? right we're following around this prophet this rabbi and like if that's what's happening the prophet's now like i mean what does that mean for him what does that mean for us what is it what is it what does it mean for me right like what what's going to be the cost of following this guy around for as long as i've been following him where is this all going to it, it, it's things have felt like they've begun to shift a little bit cuz jesus is spending more and more time uh it, he's he's not spending it as with us as much he's going out and he's he's spending whole days whole nights by himself praying going up into mountains he likes mountains for some reason and he's up there and he's praying for long periods of time and i don't know like it just feels like there's like we're we're on this like we're on this path and it's leading us somewhere and we just don't know where it's going to take us yet but Christ is, you know, he's been he's been continuing to do his his ministry. He's continuing to do what he's been doing, healing and and in preaching and teaching. But man, I got to tell you, like yesterday, yesterday he did probably his biggest miracle, right? Miracle, I, I like. And, like, one in which, like, I don't know. Like, it just boggles my mind. So anywhere he goes, you've probably heard, and you can kind of see there's people coming already. Like, he gathers this big crowd. And, and there was this huge crowd, about 5,000 people, who had been listening to him teach all day. And I was, we came up to him, we're like, Jesus, like, you gotta let them go. Like, we gotta call it a night. We gotta move on. Like, these people don't have any food. There's nothing to eat out here. We're not near a town. Like, we need to send them away. Take send away the kids, the children, the women. Like, the, they all gotta go home and they gotta get eat because we don't got food for them. Jesus, is like, yeah, you do. What do you mean? Like, we've got like a handful of loaves and a couple of fish. Like that is not going to feed the five thousand people here. And Jesus, is like, yeah, well. And sure enough, did. I mean, we had leftovers and like more than we had started with. Like, I, it doesn't make sense. The math doesn't work. But we just kept giving and giving more food, and Christ, it, it, it just, it just somehow there was more of it after He had blessed it. And so the evening was wrapping up, and we had fed everyone. And, and then Jesus, rather kind of abruptly, like, I, I don't know why. I don't know what was going on, but he just immediately said, he's like, you guys need to get in the boat and go ahead and sail across the Sea of Galilee ahead of me. Which, like, oh, you, you want us to just leave you here? You just want us to get in the boat and sail away? Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know so like before the crowds were even gone Jesus had put the 12 of us in a boat he's like sail that away okay we'll go and so we figured you know it's like why well, he must want to like pray by himself some more there's a mountain nearby probably going to go up on that mountain <laughs> what he does right i don't know why pray anywhere anyways but like you know so he's going off and he's you know and, and we're on that boat sailing across, which, like, we're trying to figure out what's going on. Because we're like, like, how's he going to catch up with us? <laughs> like, we took the boat. <laughs> How is he going to get over to us? Like, we are just going to be sitting in a town waiting for him to walk around? Like, I don't know. Like I said, things have been weird recently. But we're on the boat. There we are, the 12 of us. And 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 it, it was late. It was late in the evening when we'd set out, and so we get a fair ways out there into the Sea of Galilee, and 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 then as the sun is coming down, and the in the in the, in the air is cooling off, there is this breeze that comes up out of the west, the storm that comes out, and next thing we know, the the direction we're heading is what's pushing, there's wind coming that way, pushing against us as we're in this boat. And these waves begin to wash up and crash against the boat, one after the other. It feels like, it feels like we can't catch a break, that we can't get any momentum. Some of the, some of the other guys had pour, pulled out oars, and were beginning to try and row against the current. We weren't getting anywhere, and we were far enough out that we couldn't easily turn around either. We, 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 we couldn't see any clear landmarks. It's dark, and the sky is covered with clouds, and the waves are roaring, and the wind is rushing, the, the wind is whipping our hair and our clothes against our body. I mean, a lot of us, number of us have been fishermen, right, before we went and, you know, joined Jesus and doing all of this, like, but this was bad. We know what storms are like. We've. Weathered of one or two. This was bad. And so there we are, doing what Jesus told us to do. Rowing this boat out into the sea, running into a storm where we're gonna die. I mean, honest, if I'm honest, like what I was thinking, like I was terrified, absolutely fearful. But I was also a little resigned, because like, why not? Right, we're all going to die anyways. Like, the like, we're hanging out with this radical prophet who's who's upsetting everybody, and and eventually like that's going to be the end anyways. Right, this isn't going to work out. What was I thinking when I said I, when I when I dropped what I was doing when I left my job, left my family, and followed this guy? What was I thinking was going to happen? Why in the world did he send us out into this river, out into this lake, this sea, in order to die in a boat? He just left us. Like He fed 5,000 people. He couldn't tell us that there was a storm coming? So there we were, and the night just seemed to drag on. Each and every single way felt like torture, like we were just being beaten down by everything that was going on, terrified because we couldn't see the bottom of the dark water beside us, surrounded with nowhere to no go and with no escape. And then as we're sitting there, as we're, we're hanging on for dear life, we're drenched head to toe, we, we look out, What if we see, we see this thing on the water. And, and, it's, and it's walking towards us. Say walking because it was a person. It looked like a person, right? It, you heard me right. I said there was a person walking on the water. And like our first conclusion, right? Because no man can walk on water. Nobody can do that, right? It has to have been a demon, right? It has to be some sort of spirit. And it gets closer and we, we can look. And it looked like Jesus. It looked like the guy we had left on shore a number of hours ago. And so our conclusion was that it was a demon who had, who had made himself look like our rabbi. He had made him look like our teacher. So here we are in the middle of this storm, stuck, probably going to die, and here is coming this demon who is, deceived him, who is deceiving us and wants to appear like our teacher. And in here, out of of the the wind, we can hear him call. We can hear the voice of our teacher that we've listened to for so long now. And he says, take courage. Fear not, it is I. Definitely was the voice of Jesus. Sure looked like him and calling out with this comfort, this reassurance saying, it's me. I am. I, I, I am who I am. It's me. And so, what are you going to do, right? And so, we're stuck in this situation, and of course, Peter, Peter P- Peter's the one who's sitting over there who looks wetter than the rest of us, um, he, he calls out, right? And he's like, he's like, okay, Jesus, if it's you, call me out to you. I'll, I'll come out to you and, 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 and call me out onto the waves to walk with you. Now if you knew Peter, you wouldn't be terribly surprised that he said that thing. He's you know, he's 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 really like kind of admire him in some way. Right? He he at times seems to have this faith that the rest of us don't. Seems to just maybe just be on the cusp of understanding something the rest of us aren't quite getting at times. Or he also is just impulsive. Um and so like I don't know what was going through his mind if it was just an impulsive decision or if he was grabbing on to this faith just a little bit of faith but he's like okay if it's you Jesus call me out to there and so sure enough we hear the words that we had all heard a while ago come right we hadn't heard Christ invite us like that since we had dropped our jobs and our families and followed him and so there's there's Peter He comes up onto the side of the boat, grabs hold, lifts up one leg, and he puts the other over. He's sitting on the edge. And then he drops himself in, holding onto the boat, because he doesn't want to get washed away. He knows it's kind of, you know. But he doesn't go under. He stays level with the rest of us on the boat, holding up. Slowly lets go, go of the boat turns towards Jesus and she begins to walk towards Jesus like we're like what in the world is happening because we all know how water works it doesn't work like that and he's walking in on water and he's walking towards Jesus and he, he's getting out there he's and, and the, the storm hasn't stopped mind you Hasn't eased up anyway. There's still waves crashing all around him. The wind is still whipping and roaring. It's still a nasty storm. And as he's walking out there, you can see he gets about halfway. And then he, he turns around and he looks at us. And you can see, like, I could see it in his eyes. There was a moment where he realized just he was taking in what was happening. Like the initial excitement was wearing off. And he was looking back and he was realizing how far out he was from the boat. And then he looked down and kind of looked around and he kind of like looked up and he started to think. You could see it flip in his mind. Oh, he realized what would happen if he were to sink. He would realize that he's out there. There's no way we're going to get back to him. If he's going down... Right? He's going to go under and he's going to start swallowing water and what he's imagining, feeling, losing his breath. And before he could even realize it, that's exactly what was happening. It was like someone had pulled the rug out from underneath of him and he just goes boom, down into the water. He's submerged and pops back up in his head and he's got his hands up and as he's trying to catch a breath, he's saying, Jesus, Lord, save me. Before anyone had realized it, before he'd even really gotten his words out of his mouth, Christ was there and latched onto his arm and pulled him up. And then he pulls Peter up and he he stands him right next to him, still on the water, mind you. And then he, man, Jesus is always the teacher. He's always got a word to say he says, just in the most kindest tone, he says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Look, look at where you had come. You, why doubt in the middle when you had faith at the beginning? And so Jesus is hand in hand, arm in arm, walking with Peter back to the boat. And they climb, first Peter into the boat, and then Jesus follows. And it's not until they're both in the boat, suddenly the wind becomes a breeze, the waves become an ebb, the storm stops, and as we look behind us to the east, we can see that small, faint, white glow that hits the horizon as the sun inches towards the sky I mean there was only there was only one response that we could all have in that moment, and that was worship because that was the moment I got to tell you that I realized that Jesus, the man I've been following around, he isn't some prophet, he's not just some rabbi, he's not some guy, he's not some rebel he's god he's he's the messiah and you uh, it, that, that's the truth. And like, in, in, because no man can walk on water. Because he is the I am. It is him. I don't know how, I can't explain it, but he's the one who walks on water and calms storms and heals bones. He's the one who feeds 5,000. He's the one who casts out demons. He's the one who has come to be our Savior. And so we 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 got down on our knees, and we gave him worship because he's deserving of it. You know it's like it it was funny, like as soon as Jesus was on the boat with us, all the storm, the darkness, the waves, everything began to. Fade away, that which was so present and alive and real at one moment suddenly began to dissipate, and we began to like because Christ was there because Jesus was present with us. See, the thing is, is like I, I began to realize that that maybe like that whole night. We've been clutching on for life. We've been praying. We've been crying out, get rid of the storm, cease the waves, hold us tight, save us. And what we really needed is we didn't need the storm to go away. We didn't need the waves to subside. We didn't need the winds to stop. We just needed Jesus to be there with us. We just needed needed him to be present with us in the middle of it, because the rest of it would have taken care of itself. Sorry, I have talked your ear off a little bit. You you, you better go and, and grab your families and, and, and get over there. <laughs> Before you know it, uh, there's going to be a massive crowd. Uh, it's going to be a thing. You need to go and meet the Messiah. So I want to take, well, first, that story draws us in, not because it's dramatic, draws us in because it's relatable, because we've all known what it's felt like to be trapped, to have fear gripping us, to feel like there isn't a way out, to feel like We've been abandoned by God in some way, to feel stuck. That's why that story, I think, resonates with us so much. I want to take the rest of our time here to just kind of pull out a couple of points, a couple of things that I think would be helpful for us as a community to resonate with, to think about, and to kind of take home. The first is that fear keeps us trapped in the boat. I don't know what your boat is, right? But fear, fear will keep you there if you let it. If, if Christ is calling us out to obedience, right? And then we say, uh, not now, Jesus. right, Like, that, that's, that's too risky, uh, that is too hard to deal with. That is too much right now. My schedule's full. Right? We're staying in the boat. If there is um, something we are afraid of facing, whether that's a, a conversation we need to have, phone call we need to make, an issue we need to address, an addiction we've been ignoring, something that we have been putting off, if you can name the thing, that you most desperately never want to do. It's probably also the thing you most desperately need to do. Because that thing is exerting a grip of fear onto you. And it's keeping you in the boat. It's keeping you in a way of living in which you're gripping on for dear life. Hoping that nothing changes. Right? Fear Change is frightening. Change is absolutely terrifying, both good change and bad change, right? Sometimes, sometimes change is thrust upon us because of life circumstances. Something happens completely out of our control, and we begin to just bury our heads down. We're just like, all right, I'm just going to put Nora down, and I'm just going to row against this, and I'm just going to ignore what's going on around me. I'm just going to do what I know to do. I'm not going to look up. I'm just going to stay right here, right? Or sometimes, sometimes we need to get out of the boat. Or sometimes we know we need to get out of the boat. We know that we need change, but we don't want the change because the change is scary. It's risky. It's terrifying. What if I get out there and I drown? I know that I'm okay right here, as things are. But if things change, I don't know. I might find myself all of a sudden overwhelmed by waves that I could just stay here and maybe avoid. But the fact is is you're not avoiding the waves. They're just beating against your boat. They're just wearing you down. And so... Fear keeps us trapped in the boat, but the thing is is that faith is greater than fear right faith in Jesus setting our eyes on him is greater than any amount of fear or tribulation or trial or situation or obstacle or change that you have been called to you don't have to be perfect Christ never says that you have to have an absolutely perfect faith. He says you need to have a faith of a mustard seed, tiny little bit. The little faith that Peter had got him out there. It wasn't that Peter was like, you know, demonstrating some amazing amount of faith. It got him out there, right? And even once he was out there and his faith began to fail, like Christ still had him. Christ isn't going to call you out for inobedience obedience and then abandon you. We have the God who is with us, who is among us, who is, who is present with us and knows us in such a way. And it's so tempting when we're, when we're frightened to look everywhere else, to look at what's going on around us, to look at what could happen right i i've I've, sp- I've lost a lot of nights sleep thinking about what could happen and there is this quote from um saint john of the cross and it, the quote is this whenever anything disagreeable or displeasing happens to you remember christ crucified and then be silent right in in shorthand Look, look at the cross. When, whenever we encounter a obstacle, whenever we encounter trials and tribulations, when we're afraid of moving forward, look to the cross and find comfort there. Find that we have a God who, who knows what it's like to suffer, who has wounds and scars as deep as ours, who is not far off and distant and looking down on us, but who has wept, who has come as close as flesh, that he might be among us and with us, that he might walk with us in whatever storm we find ourselves in. That's the kind of God that we follow. That's the kind of savior that we have, not some sort of idea, not some sort of uh, good teacher, but we have a Savior, a radical Savior who loves us and who has come and become present among us and has given us a community of people to walk along with each other in the middle of the storm. The third point I want to make is that Jesus needs to be your Lord. right? Jesus needs to be more than just the person that we talk about on Sundays or we mention when it's convenient. Jesus needs to be the object of our faith and he needs to be the one through which we're following and obeying. Jesus gets to be the one that calls me out. Jesus gets to be the one that points me in the direction. And sometimes we can get into a place where Sometimes we will sometimes we'll make a spiritual sounding excuse in order to not do the thing that Jesus has clearly called us to do, right? Beware of that. I think a lot of times like if you turn to the people next to you that are in your life that love Jesus, ask them, Is this a thing I should do? Do you think Jesus is maybe calling me? Is this a good next step? If they say yes, multiple people say yes, that is Jesus saying yes. Like I I, I think our community, Christ has given us each other to be in community with one another, to be encouraging one another, to be Jesus to each other. And so when we're feeling lost in the storm, and it, we, we need one another. We don't need to be isolated. We don't need to be alone. We need one another to help carry one each other's, each other's burdens because we're all in a boat together. We've all got some storm going on. We all need to help each other in that. And we need to be reminded that Christ is our Lord and He's the Lord of our life, also the Lord of the storms in our lives. Doesn't mean that every storm is good. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it feels good. Doesn't mean it's gonna work out perfectly. But it means that Christ is with us. And that leads me to my last point is don't look for the elimination of your storm. Look for Jesus beside you in your storm. All right. A lot of times we can get fixated on just just if this were to go away, it would be great. Like, then I could follow Jesus. Then my life would be set. Like, if only this was worked out. If only I didn't have this thing to be afraid of. Then, yeah, then. And the thing is, is that there's always going to be another thing to be afraid of. Always going to be another thing that's going to say, stay in the boat. Another thing that's going to keep us where we're at. Another thing to be afraid of. And so. Just like, just like Peter and the disciples saw, like it wasn't the storm that they, need, they needed to go away. It was Jesus they needed to come to and be with. So that's part of our, our our prayer for this week, and and part of that practice. That card that Cameron was showing you earlier, which is outside in the foyer, you can grab as you leave today. Um, also, if you miss any of the ones from our previous weeks or you don't get a hold of a physical copy from this week, uh, we also put them online on our website with our sermons. There's a little button has them linked right there. But the practice for this week, this centering prayer is what we're calling it, is a prayer in which we pause and we do our best to become aware of Jesus being present with us right now, right where we're at. Because so that's the point of that prayer. And so I I hope that you take that card, take that practice, watch that video that's connected with it, and you're able to, for a moment, for 10 minutes, be aware that you are not alone, to be aware that Christ is present with you. Because one of the things, if we can turn back to what I was talking about earlier at the beginning, talking about the kid that is scared of the monsters in the closet, What's the solution that every child comes to for that, right? The solution is not turning on the lights for some reason, right? The so, right? Like, the solution is to get out of bed. It's dark out there. To walk through the dark house. To go into the master bedroom where it is still dark. It's not that there's not monsters in the master bedroom closet. It's that the parents are there. That mom and dad are there. Because the solution to the fear, we know this, is is the presence of someone who cares. The presence of someone who has got us no matter what is going on. And so for us, the fear, the solution, the place where you find yourself, the solution isn't necessarily the immediate removal of that circumstance. It might be removed. It might change. But what you need before anything changes in your life is you need Christ standing next to you. You need to know that he has grace for whatever you find yourself. It doesn't matter what your past is. Christ has grace in abundance for it. He has love extravagantly stored up to lavish on you. Beyond our comprehension is the love that Christ has for you. Beyond comprehension is the amount of grace that he has for you. The amount of desire he has to see you stand next to him and take baby steps forward. He doesn't care if you trip and fall. He just wants to be next to you. He wants to be with you there when you get up. It is not the absence or the removal of the difficulties in our lives or the things that are fearful or the things that press down upon us. Those things, God will bring about healing in this life or the next. Things will change. I believe that people can change, do get better, that when we step out into the boat, we're going somewhere that is better than where we were. I absolutely believe in the transformation that Jesus has for us here. 100%. 100%. But that's not as important as the journey. It's not as important as being with Christ where we find ourselves right now and letting him be, be our Savior, be the one who grabs our hand as we feel like we're swallowing water and going under and finding that we're being held in the hands of Christ and in the love of God you would, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning. Each and every single one of us find ourselves in a different place. Lord, there are things in our lives that we can be fearful of, things that are immediate, things that are far away, things imaginary and things very real, things physical, things emotional, things relational. Lord, we we come to you not wanting to be gra- gripped and controlled by fear anymore. Lord, we want to say yes to your invitation to come to you and to know you. Jesus, I pray this morning that each of us in this room would know that you are here. You're not far away. You're not distant. You haven't left us alone, but you've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us those people who are around us right now sitting in the same pew as us. You've given us your church, and you've given us your Holy Spirit. You have not left us alone. And you are present with us this morning, no matter where we're at. Christ, I pray for anyone in this room who hasn't said yes to following you yet. Who's been too afraid to step out of the boat of what is known and step out into the unknown, change and change and growth, and new life, and all of the scary things that come with it. All of the trials, all of the things that we don't know how they're going to work out yet.